Welcome to episode 32 of Chasing Kangaroos. And my guest tonight is probably one of the busiest men in rugby league. So let me see if I've got this right. But he's the, the CEO of the Vancouver Dragons. He's a director of the British Columbia Rugby League. He's the vice president of rugby league in Canada. He's a commentator for the British Columbia Rugby League YouTube channel. He's an, he's an organiser of one of the first ever high school rugby league matches in Canada. He's a high school teacher as well. Joshua Knight, when do you have a chance to scratch yourself, mate? <laughs> Barely never, mate. It just, it just never stops in Canadian rugby league. Uh, man of many talents, I reckon. You're listening to Chasing Kangaroos, the rugby league podcast for fans who are passionate about seeing the game played in more places. Have I missed anything? Like, do you must have, do you, do you mop up the floors as well? Do you make the lunches? Do you do other things? You know what? The, the 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 weirdest thing about the whole thing was um, when we had our home game for the Dragons, and I just remembered, oh, hang on a minute, no one can line the line the field. <laughs> so I went out Friday night and was out there lining the field, and um, and and I did a horrible job because I forgot to bring string. So uh, if anyone watches the uh, the game where the Dragons play at home, you'll see how the lines are very very crooked. <laughs> so it's not we're not it's not because you've been drinking the night before. It's because you have no strings. That's that's the excuse uh, we're going with. That's fine. I'm happy yeah, yeah, with that. I, had no, I had no rope. That's that's exactly why it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, mate, we've got plenty to talk about tonight. So I really want to dig deep into each of sort of the areas that you're involved with. So we're going to talk domestic amateur level rugby league over there. We're going to talk a little bit of domestic professional rugby league over there as well. We'll talk about the national level um, and just what the future holds for rugby league in Canada. So I've been really excited for this chat. So we'll kick it straight off soon. But mate, many will notice you don't have a Canadian accent. You have an Aussie accent. Um, tell, us a, tell us a bit about how long you've been there for and what how you got over there, what you're doing there, mate. Yeah, mate. Uh, so a typical Australian that came to British Columbia. I don't know. A lot of Australians do uh, like winters here. So they go out to um, Whistler and they go up to uh, places like Big Wide and Silver Star and all these uh, massive um, snow snow places. Um, I was one of them, but I lasted four days in the uh, in the snow. I was like, this is, not, <laughs> this is basically Penrith on a mountain. Um, <laughs> what a lovely way to, to describe people. it. <laughs> No offense to anyone in Penrith. I, I love that hey, place. The, bl- but, uh, the Blue Mountains are beautiful, mate. Don't don't diss it. You know, yes, yeah, I'm not dissing that. But uh, <laughs> um, so it lasted four days, and I was like, you know, and it was really cool because it was around about uh, 2010 when they had the Winter Olympics uh, in Vancouver. So they were like, oh, you know, there's plenty of work in Vancouver. Head to Vancouver. So that's where I headed, and um, ended up in Vancouver, and just yeah, just ended up staying um, and being here for ten years. Uh, originally from Maroubra, uh, grew up on the Central Coast. And uh, yeah, it's just, uh, I sort of literally came into this place in this city and I was like, wow, this is just a beautiful area to live. So ended up trying to stay and uh, ended up doing it. So I've been here for 10 years and uh, yeah, it's just been good. It's been, it's such, it's such a beautiful city. Um, you're basically surrounded by mountains and, and the ocean. So what else can you ask for? 
<laughs> why would you want to leave, man? And you found rugby league there somehow as well. So what was the idea there? Was it already happening? Were you involved in setting it up or what was the deal with that? It was really interesting. Um, I was sort of back and forth in the early days. Um, I broke my hand playing rugby union, actually. Um, and uh, being an Australian that, you know, you never get your travel insurance or whatever, I ended up um, I ended up um, basically going to... Um, um, I went home. And then uh, whilst I was home, a friend of mine, um, Didier Bantz, who is um, also sort of a fellow rugby league pioneer over here, um, he goes, oh, they've started rugby league here. This is 2012. And I went, ah, oh, get out, you know, because I heard whispers and, and, and murmurs of rugby league in 2010, 2011. We, we yeah. everybody, all the Australians are over here going, oh, rugby league would be awesome here, you know, because we have, there, there's so many talented rugby union players in Canada. And, you yeah. know, and, and the thing about it is they're built for rugby league because they run like rugby league players. They, they've got the talent to play, you know, and we, they're like, you know, this would be great. And then someone said to me, oh, they've started it up. And then he sent me some YouTube clips. And I was like, oh, wow. And that was to 2012. And um, I actually came back in the summer of 2012. And um, I caught this. Um, the, the first game rugby league I played here was an Origins versus Exiles game, um, you know, where Canadians played against the um, expats. And it was weird. Yeah, cool. I ended, up, I ended up playing for the, um, <laughs> the Origins team. <laughs> I think they needed players. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and from there, it's just turned into this amazing thing that that um, Canadians are like, wow, we, we like this game, and, and you know, to 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 really to this last season where um you know a couple of the Point Grey Thunder boys were like, never played rugby league before, and they're like, we just want to play this game, we don't want to play that other game. So you know, it's, I love it, hearing that, man. I oh, love hearing it's, that. It's so tough. It's it's just it, it's really good to hear as well. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> Kangaroo Court, that's Kangaroo, C-A-U-G-H-T. That's the discount code for you to get 10% off at mascotbrowns.com and mascotbrowns.com.au. Plenty of international rugby league gear there, so jump on, check it out, and make sure you purchase something. And if you do, let us know uh, what you've used the code for. Take a photo, send it in to me, uh, tell me about it. I'm really keen to hear about it. It's mascotbrowns.com, mascotbrowns.com.au. Thanks for supporting the show, guys, and for giving our fans this 10% off opportunity. Let's talk about the domestic comp over there at amateur level. And you've obviously got a lot of involvement there in the British Columbia Rugby League through the Vancouver Dragons, the Mighty Dragons, and um, and being a director of the board there as well. Um, so the grand final just happened. So Coastal Cougars, 38, defeated the new boys on the block, Point Grey Thunder, to 28. Mate, tell us a little bit about it. I didn't get a chance to watch this one yet. What What happened? Mate, it, you know what? It, it was, it was, it, I think, I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but the, the hard thing about playing rugby league here is, is the season. So we, we play rugby league in the summer, which is Australia's winter. Um, yeah. And, and the hard thing about playing in the summer is with, they, they call this place beautiful BC for a reason. And basically what happens is people, you know, they get to the summer, they've played uh, rugby the whole winter so the the girlfriends and the families are like oh you've played your rugby you know why do you want to play in the summer as well we have to go to the cottages get away to the mountains you know we have to disappear and um so what happened was um and and there's a lot of um comps in in america or in, in america and north america in general they have to compete with union because they can't yeah. play in the winter Whereas BC, we're the only place where there's no, we don't compete because our union season runs in the winter and then the um, league season runs in the summer. So what happened was um, 
Coastal Cougars had a couple of players that went missing because the um, the uh, uh, the what was it? The representative team called the BC Bears for Rugby Union. Well, they had a game that weekend against Alberta. So Blake Mahovic, um, who's one of the probably the best players in our league, ended up going and play for the BC Bears. So he no missed way. out to the Coastal Cougars. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, um, because Point Grey Thunder is a university team, uh, Diddy Advance, the head coach, had you know five or six um, university players miss out because they had to go play for the Canadian university team against the American college team uh, in yeah. Colorado. So it wasn't. I'd say the strongest teams weren't out in the field for the grand final, which you know, I mean, that blows mind for most Australian listeners right now because they're like, "What people missed out in a grand final for footy? Like, what what's yeah. going on here?" You know. Um, so, but I mean, with, with, without, with, with not taking much away from Point Grey Thunder, they still had a very competitive team. They had, um, Nick Frost, um, who you'll see number one for, for you, for, uh, Point Grey. He's just massive. Um, he takes massive hit ups. He played well. Mike Smith is unbelievable. He plays number seven for Point Grey Thunder. He was out there playing and they just put their heart out. But in the end, Coastal Cougars just were too strong on the day. And, um, and they had some really nice um, tries. My, one of my favorite stories um, from the uh, rugby league high school game is um, a, a kid by the name of Colton Carpenter, who's, uh, who's uh, 19. Great name, by the way. I love it. It reminds me of the old days of <laughs> Colin Carpenter from, uh, yeah. from, you know what I'm talking about. And um, yeah, his name's Colton Carpenter, 19 years old, scores a hat trick for the grand final. Um, on the wing, and he was basically out of the high school game. He played the high school game, uh, played for McMath um, secondary, and then uh, the coach picked him up from there and said, do you want to come play some rugby league in the summer? He's like, yeah, I love this game. And I ended up playing in the comp and uh, winning a grand final with the Cougars. So great story out of it. And uh, that's their third premiership now. So the Coastal Cougars out of playing the comp since 2012, and they've, sc- they've won it three times. So they're the most successful team in the BCRL. I was about to ask that. Who's the most successful team? So it's the Cougars. And, and Point Grey, look, first season in, uh, I believe. So that's pretty impressive that they've even made it as well. And who knows if they had a full complement of players, if they had their full squad, could have been very different. I want to touch on that school game as well. But, mate, um, so it just blows my mind that there's – so other guys – so is it similar to the USARL where the guys – you look at guys like Atlanta, what's happening down there with the Rhinos and things like that where – if they have to choose between league and union, they're choosing union? Or is it sort of just depending on what the opportunity is? Like, if it's a chance to represent Canada, either way, they're going to go and represent. Yeah, that's that's the hard part at the moment. You know, like, players don't actually have to choose between union and league because union runs September to May, and then yeah, league yeah. runs from uh, June to July. Oh, sorry, the end of the start of June to July. And then we sort of have a couple of um, rep games in August if we can get teams over here. So they don't really have to choose. But unfortunately, Union does a lot of their rep stuff around this time. So, you know, they're, and, and not on top of that, but they have um, what we call rugby festivals. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's these really cool things where they run these festivals and, the, you know, on the weekend, long weekend, stuff like that. And people go away. I mean, at the end of the day, most most players here go, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll try that league thing that I see on the TV once in a while, you know, and, and they come out and play a bit. And it's hard to get them to stick because they don't see potential. They don't, you know, yeah. I mean, a lot of those, um, the Point Grey Thunder guys are all from University of British Columbia. They're all um, university players. And they were like, well, I'm going to play for Canada, you know, like I'm going to play for Canada University rather than go and play for a grand final and, and this league that I've, that's a sort of a throw together. Um, so that's always an issue. 
but um, at the end of the day, we don't have to compete directly with rugby union, which makes it a, a little easier for the guys to choose rugby league. Yeah, good. So, well, I guess, and it's new days as well. I suppose rugby union's been around a little bit longer than rugby league. Um, so it's early days for us. Do you think, I mean, are the, are the working relationships between league and union good over there? Or is it, are they, do they see us as a threat or what's the deal there? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I don't think they see us as a threat. Um, I don't really think they see us as anything at the moment, um, yeah. to be honest. And that's coming from Rugby Canada. I don't think they see guys choosing league over union type thing. Um, in fact, we actually, um, the start of this year, the BCR was approached about from the coach of the BC Bears saying, well, can we get a team, uh, like a game together to do um, that hybrid game? You know, the hybrid one. That oh, they, yeah. And we were like, yeah, we're, we're definitely down. You know, we want to, because... You know, if we get that hybrid game going, then we show that we've actually got, you know, decent. Because the other part about the 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 problem with, with Canada, with Rugby Canada, is there's no pathways. So, yeah. you know, you, you could be, you know, in fact, Blake Mahovich plays uh, third division rugby for a team called Squamish. And um, this is, everybody was so excited because it's third division and he was playing for the rep squad. You know, people have never heard of that before. If you if you really serious about your rugby in in British Columbia, then you move to a to a premier squad like somewhere that you know, like James Bay, which is on the island, um, Capilano's, um, uh, UBC Old Boys, all these different teams that run first division rugby or premier sorry premiership rugby. So then you play for that team to try and make that squad. But he just went, no, nah, no, nah, I live in. I live very far away from all of that. I play really yeah. good third division rugby, you know, put me in the squad and, and, and it actually, that's what we do in league. We don't, we don't look at you at what team you play for. We just go, well, you're a good player. You get to play rugby, uh, rugby league. And um, so he played third division. He went from third division to play rep rugby. And that's, you know, quite unheard of. So I think the problem that um, there's no real threat, but what we do in rugby league is we offer opportunities. We say, well, listen, you're good enough to play for the national team. We're not going to say you go move here, you play here. We'll just come and watch you play. And if you play well enough, you can make this squad. If you play well enough, you make the next squad. If you play even better, you play the national squad. So, you know, that's, we're all about trying to create pathways where rugby Canada doesn't do that. Well, that's cool. Let's talk about those pathways because I'm really interested to hear you know, how it's building up and how we, I guess, I don't want to say become a threat to rugby. I'm sure both codes can live side by side together, but sort of, I guess, allow more people to find rugby league and choose rugby league um, if they prefer it. Um, so th there's obviously a few competitions over there. So you've got you guys, British Columbia, you've got Ontario and Alberta, I believe. Tell us a little yep. bit about the relationship between the three competitions and how that sort of works. Like, do you guys play each other? Is there an origin style thing going on? How do, how do Canadian players, uh, rep players get selected from these three comps? Talk me through that. Yeah, so um, so we have three leagues um, currently. Um, British Columbia is the, the most popular league because we have about, we had 116 registered players this year, which is one of our strongest years. Um, awesome. I think Ontario was second with about uh, 40 to 50, uh, I think they had 61, but that was with the women as well uh, because they have the nines tournament in Toronto. So they had a lot of women registered to play uh, for the Ravens in that tournament. Um, so 
The then third is Alberta. Now, the thing about Ontario and Alberta is they've been strong. Ontario used to be very strong. In fact, that's where rugby league started. I think it was 2008, 2009. That's where it started in Canada. Um, Eric Perez uh, was the start of that. He was the uh, president at the time of the CRLA. Um, and he created the Wolverines and, and they played against, they played, played a famous game against Lebanon um, and they played at Lamport and that was before the, the Wolfpack played there. Wow. Um, yeah. And so they had like three, uh, four or five teams at the time. So they were quite strong. Um, and then uh, unfortunately due to, they, the problem is they compete directly with rugby union. So rugby league players play on a Sunday, union players on a Saturday in Ontario. And they went down to two teams this, this season with the Toronto city saints and the Brantford Broncos. Um, so they've just played a, I think they played three or four games against each other in the grand final. Um, Alberta has two teams. So they have the Edmonton Elks and they have the Calgary Cowboys. Um, and I believe they play a three match system. So they play one in Edmonton, one in Calgary. It's about a two hour drive between those two or two or three hour drive between those two cities. So they play, you know, one set in Edmonton and then one set in Calgary. Um, and then the, the Edmonton Elks also came down, um, on in January and they played, a we, we sort of like a prime minister's 13 type thing. We set up a, a Vancouver pirates team where all the BCRL teams, it's not the official, uh, rep squad, which is the BC Bulldogs, but just a whole bunch of guys who can play rugby league at that time in January, and they came down and played a game against us. So um, I saw so, that. Was that the one where they drove down through snow and ice and like oh, a hour trip? And, yeah, yeah, that was a great I, story. I saw that on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> that's a great story. Like, you know, they, they got a school bus, and it's a 13-hour drive from Edmonton, and uh, I think the back window popped out. You know, and this is in going through the Rockies in minus 43. So I couldn't imagine what that last trip must have been like. <laughs> it just goes to show that the passion's there. You know what I mean? It's just that there's not, you know, there's, we, we just need to try and drum up more teams and get more money into the system and things like that. And I, I feel like just from the sounds of this, that you guys sort of face the same sort of things that the USA do, where they've got their sort of stronger sort of comp. Um, along the East Coast for the North and South Conference, which is like what you guys sort of have with BC, like a stronger comp. And then you've got these little pockets everywhere else, like they've got their Chicago or California starting to build up as well. So it's just, it needs to all sort of come together somehow. Um, man, like, well, let's talk a little bit about development then. So you mentioned earlier, and we'll get to back to this point, I guess, how to put, how what the future holds and how, but I feel like it needs to start from the ground up. And you did something really cool this year, and that was you, you set up the first ever high school game. Mate, how did that happen? How did we get high school kids playing rugby league in British Columbia, Canada? Yeah, mate, that's, you know, like, as you mentioned before, you know, high school teacher, um, you know, I've, I basically about two years ago um, got involved in coaching and refereeing um, high school rugby here, which is very popular. Um, so they start in, in year nine. Um, so year eight, they do actually, they start year eight rugby. And a lot of these kids that start playing rugby, they don't play rugby till year eight, um, in yeah. high school. Um, and then, so I was just like, I remember being at a provincial, a provincial, um, sort of knockout thing where, you know, teams from all over the sort of province came together and, and they were playing. And then I heard, go, oh, have you heard of rugby league? It's, it's starting. And I was, I was on the sideline listening and I was like, yeah, these kids need to play some rugby league. And, um, I was coaching. Oh, you heard kids. You heard kids talk about rugby league. Yeah, I was I was actually yeah. the touch judge at one of the games, and I heard the, oh, the wow. kids behind me talking about. It. I was like, "Yeah, that's right. Your kids need to start playing some rugby league." And um, 
and you know so I, I just I just made it a passion of mine and, and um, ever since probably November last year I um I just started in I just was like how do I get this started blah blah I contacted athletic directors I contacted high schools um, and I had two high schools ready to go because I said I thought I set a goal to myself I said you know in five years time I want to have a proper knockout because that's what I grew up playing you know I, I played yeah. up. I remember in high school rugby league for my school, uh, you know, we, we went and played another school and then if we won, we kept going. If we lost, we were out, you know, so, and that was to made state. Um, and so I was like, that's the type of thing I think we can set up. So I basically went and grabbed two high schools. I said, I'll just have two to start with. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> one school pulled out of the last minute and I was like, oh, wow. So I finally got this. I knew this guy who was a rugby league guy um, over in a, the next city over to Vancouver called Richmond, where the, the airport is. And uh, I was like, can you, you know, would you be interested? He's like, yep, no worries. We'll get into it. So it was a great game. I actually missed it because I went and played uh, Wolfpack Masters for the Toronto Wolfpack in Ontario. Oh, no way. Yeah. Um, it was just the timing because it's the only date we, we could get that wasn't clashing with Union. So hopefully we're going to have a better date um, next next year. That's where we've got the, the next uh, high school game going. Um, but yeah, it was two, two, two guys come together, uh, two high schools came together. I think it was 44-24, I think the final score. So it was a high scoring game. Um, but, you know, I mean, you know, the success speaks for itself because Colton Carpenter come out of that game and was like, I want to play for the season. So we had, you know, two high schools come together, play play some rugby. Actually, a girl played in that game as well, which was the best. Yeah, because cool. She was wow. like, I, I want to play. And <laughs> I watched her at training, and all the guys were actually scared of her. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it was quite funny to watch. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> she, awesome. was chopping, she was chopping guys down. And, you know, and, and you know, I'd love to get her involved because that's a potential Raven right there, you know, for the, for the World Cup. So, um Two high schools come together. They played a game. They love the game. We get one of those players come out of it um, playing in, in the comp. One of the other kids, man of the match, I got uh, Toronto Wolfpack donated a, jer- a signed jersey for the man of the match. Um, and that was um, a kid by the name of Owen. He got it. You know, and then from that, he was, I remember him asking me during trains and he goes, oh, will there you know, be anyone from the Toronto Wolfpack, you know, looking at the game? I was like, mate, everybody looks at this game. It's film, blah, blah, blah. You know, th- kids are now in BC have potential to look into, into, um, into playing rugby league professionally. Um, I know uh, <laughs> I, I'm a subscriber of the podcast, so I listen to it all the time and uh, Thanks, I know, man. You know, <laughs> I know uh, the thoughts and sentiments on Quinn Nagati, but uh, in oh, the, no. uh, <laughs> which I think is hilarious by the way. So, you know, I don't think you need a new sign off. It's, it's very funny. Oh, good. But, Cause we we're talking about changing that, but yeah, continue. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but he, he is exactly, he, like, unfortunately he come too early. You know what I mean? Because that's that's yeah. the type. You know, we've got a kid from like him. We've got. I tell you right now, in the BCRL, there are five Quinn Nagatis. Um, You know, they can all play for the Toronto Wolfpack or play for you know feeder teams to go into the Super League. Because um, at the moment, they can't see that pathway. You know, they they don't even know the Toronto Wolfpack exists. To be honest with you, all they know is they start playing rugby. They're you know 16, 17, 18, and all of a sudden they're like. Oh, um, you know, where do I go from here? I want to make Canada, you know. So Quinn was Quinn was unfortunate because he he actually jumped the gun, you know. All of a sudden he's playing for Toronto, but nobody nobody cared, nobody looked from over here and was like, well, what? He's going where? Oh, he's back. Oh, okay, great, he's back. Where did he go? You know what I mean? So 
it's sort of I tell you right now, if you know when you get to see the, the the grand final, Mike Smith is unbelievable. He should be playing for the Toronto Wolfpack. He's he's I would say he's better than Quinn. Um, wow, and, yeah. You know, he made sixty tackles. I, I don't I didn't have the stats in front of me, but he was making two three tackles a set, and I was just like, this kid's unbelievable. And he's, what position does Mike play? Is he like a front rower as well, like Quinn or? Oh, this is the best. He plays flank in Union, which is a forward position, and then he played halfback for uh, for Point Grey Thunder. And he's so, making 60 tackles a game. Far out. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And setting up – he scores a try um, for the Point Grey Thunder in the – I think the last 15 minutes of the game. He runs 90 metres and scores a try. Like out of the la- out of a hot day where we took, you know, 20-minute intervals for drinks – he comes out 15 minutes before the end of the game and, and, and gets chased by Colton, who's very, very fast, the winger, and scores a try next to the post. And I was just like, where did you get the energy for that? I, I, I interview, interview him at the end of the game. And he was like, yeah, it was tough. But, you know, that's that's the type of kid he is. And, you know, he should be playing for the Wolfpack, to be honest. Sounds like a weapon. And I'm going to take a step back. We have nothing against Quinn Nagati. We just, you know, we wish we would come back to throw rugby league one day. And hopefully well, there's that opportunity right. one day. But hopefully, this yeah, you know, we, and <laughs> well, hopefully he's hearing it and yeah, he knows that, you know, we want him back. But, mate, um, well, that's awesome to know that there's that sort of talent. And it sort of leads me to some questions that I want to ask you in the next topic. So, look, I'm going to hold that for now. But, look, I'm going to end this topic by saying, what does the future hold for, for British Columbia Rugby League and the domestic, I guess, the three competitions over there? Because I keep hearing the same sort of thing throughout this conversation so far, and that's, um, you know, we, we can't play on the same weekend as Rugby Union or we have this issue or that issue because of Rugby Union. To me, it sounds like a little bit of a problem. Is it something we can overcome? Is it something we're looking at in the future? Um, what's the future hold for British Columbia and Can- Canadian Domestic Rugby League? At this level, um, it's you know, I think I don't think we have an issue with union. I think playing in the summer is is okay. I think um, once once the you know the high school game begins to grow, um, once we can get some junior development going, I think it's going to grow. Um, I, I you know it's funny. I think um, Australia. You know, we, we could we could eventually move our season to, to the winter here. It wouldn't be an issue at all. Like we could move it to September, May, um, yeah. and then play play on Sundays like they do in Australia. Um, but at the moment, the culture for us is playing in the summer, and um, nobody has an issue with that. Union doesn't have an issue. Um, we, you know, um, I think this is the thing that the thing where what's happening with rugby league currently is that. Um, pro- professional rugby, well, not professional, premier um, rugby union teams are looking at rugby league and going, wow, our players can get more dynamic and get more skills playing union, uh, playing league as well as union. So we need yeah. them playing, playing in the summer. So I know that um, Didier, the head coach of um, Point Grey, had, you know, UBC prem players that went, no, 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 we, we, we don't want to play league in the summer. And then halfway through this season going, hey, can we get on in this? Because this looks great. And the players that are playing this have improved their skills and they'll be starting, you, you know, they'll be starring union players come the winter. Um, I know one of the premier um, union clubs on Vancouver Island, which is an island just off of Vancouver, of, of British Columbia, um, they've they've already said, hey, any chance we can put a team in for next year for the BCRL. So, you know, a lot of massive union clubs are, are trying to follow the path of um, 
the University of British Columbia um, and going, hey, any chance we can get in on this BC, uh, get into rugby league on, in the summer because, you know, we're watching the players develop into amazing rugby players on both codes. Um, mm-hmm. And they, you know, and they're developing those skills to use in union. I mean, like I said, this Mike Smith guy, you look at, you know, him playing union, like he might be a, maybe off the bench or might be a starting Prems player, but now he's a cemented spot Prems player just from the skills he picked up from playing rugby league. Well, uh, I think Orazio Dardo mentioned the same sort of thing to me over in the Italian leagues. He's saying that with rugby union, they kind of see it as an opportunity to develop those rugby league style skills, which seems to be benefiting a lot of the union sides in, in Europe in particular at the moment. So it's an interesting way to look at it, man. And it's good to see that more and more players, I guess, are, are noticing rugby league and saying, hey, I might have a crack at this as well. How many sides in, in the British Columbia League this year? And, and what are we looking at next season? So we currently have five five teams. We have the Vancouver Dragons, Valley Warriors, Vancouver Valley Vipers, um, the Coastal Cougars, and the Point Grey Thunder. Um, and then at the moment, we're a bit hesitant about um, adding an extra team. Um, so we have interest from Vancouver Island, but when you add a team from the island, they have to travel by ferry um, mm. to every, you know, and then not only that, but you're going to start diluting players. Well, I mean, you know, Ireland itself, Ireland has a lot of rugby players. So that's actually some, a market we'd like to tap into. But we've, we're, the problem with the BCRL is sometimes we get excited and we grow and then we have forfeits. So, you know, because teams go, yeah, we're in and then they don't, they can't produce players. So at the moment we're a bit hesitant. We love the fact we have a five team format at the moment. Um, we play double headers basically at every home field. So for the five, for the five rounds of, of um, rugby league, we played at every one's home field. Um, another benefit of that is we only have one referee, um, which is unfortunate because we want to get more officials um, involved. Yeah. Um, and from that, um, basically, you know, we, we, we want to keep it strong. So we, next year we want to have, you know, another, you know, 130, 140 registered players and strong um, teams. So, you know, if we keep that five teams, you know, who knows if, if, um, if the Island come to us say, look, you know, we want to put a team in, we basically said, well, you know, you need at least registered 25 players and then we'll look at you coming and having a go. So, but you know, that's where we want to be and we want to try and strengthen our teams we got and Hey, you know, take the NRLs format, you know, they're not willing to expand until, you know, it's the time is right. I was going to say, I love how expansion is such a hot topic, no matter what level of rugby league you're talking about. No doubt the Toronto Wolfpack are having a major impact in the rugby league world over in the UK in particular, as fans debate on what expansion looks like and should look like for their competition. So a little closer to home for you, what sort of impact, and we've touched on this already, but what sort of impact and effect have the Wolfpack had on rugby league in Canada? And in particular, British Columbia, where you're saying there's some guys that you've got five or six Quinn Nagardis running around that are good enough to play for Toronto. Yeah, um, that's the, the weirdest thing. I mean, think about it. You move to Canada, right? And then all of a sudden, 2017 rolls around and then someone goes, oh, they want to make a professional team of rugby, a professional rugby league team in Toronto. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden I'm like, what? I get to support rugby league in the country I've moved to? This is un- insane. It's and, perfect. Um, <laughs> it's great. It's absolutely great. I, I watch all the games. Um, I've been to two home games. Um, it, it's it's unbelievable. Um, you know, 
the, the problem that you have, and, and you see social media, everyone talking about, you know, the, the Northings, oh, you don't have your own players and blah, blah. And, you know, you, you're only stealing players from other places to play for Toronto. You know, I won't get into that. It's, it's, I, I don't, I find that a, a rubbish, a rubbish argument. Um, yep. But at the end of the day, um, when Toronto Wolfpack rolled around, the weird thing about Canada in when it comes to sports is all the cities are very, they, they rival each other all the time. So for example, if you're a Canucks supporter, there's no way, you know, that you'd ever be a Maple Leafs supporter or they're coming close to, to talking about the Maple Leafs. So when you're talking about another city that has a sports team, automatically people that live in Vancouver are like, well, that's a Toronto team. I'm not even interested. But but when it comes to, you know, the Toronto Raptors making the playoffs, suddenly everybody's like, oh, that's Canada's team. So, yeah, you know, we hashtag we are the North. We are the North. So. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like, I mean, it was insane during the playoffs because all the pubs were full with people, you know, oh, we love Toronto. We love Toronto. Okay, you love Toronto, the Raptors. But when it comes to the Maple Leafs, not so much. Um, but with the Wolfpack coming in, it it's it's all about getting that the, the word out um at the moment the wolf pack um their their games are, are, are played via cbc which is the uh, like it's an abc for um for canada canadian broadcasting yep. corporation so you can get that online um streamed live or you watch it on a on a channel that's readily available um called game tv and that's the two platforms in canada you have to watch the wolf pack games but the thing about it is that it's just about getting the word out um, you know, hey, we've got this team. Like Toronto is is starting to get some traction. Um, I think nine thousand something or other was their game, uh, their first home game, which is great. You know, so they're starting to get traction um, three seasons in, which is great for Toronto. But I mean, that's Toronto. You know, Ontario was a five and a half hour flight from from Vancouver. So, you know, we're trying to get the word out here and trying to get people involved and trying to, you know, people understand that there is an actual professional rugby league team. Um, I have a good relationship with the with the director of marketing, um, John Pallet at Toronto Wolfpack. So we've talked many times. He donated the jersey for the high school game, and he said, "Look, yeah, gee, I want to get more involved." Um, I want to, you know, help sponsors, sponsors and, you know, get kids involved. And, and um, the, the way they found Quinn actually was they ran a, um, like a combine or a trial out here and that's how they found Quinn. So I'd love to see that um, upcoming. I'd love to see more um, trials and, and more people or scouts for the Toronto Effect coming out and looking at players out here. Um, and I think, I think in time, um, people seeing a pathway to play professional rugby league, it, that's their pathway. Um, so, you know, well, maybe I can make Ottawa, maybe I can make Toronto Wolfpack, um, you know, if we have actual trials that they run out here. So I'm, I'm unaware of when the next trials will be, but I tell you right now, if they come out and watch the next next round of the British Crumble, uh, 2020 um, BCRL, they've got to, you know, there's some players that could definitely push for spots, um, either on the feeder teams like the Scholars or... Um, or the Wolfpack themselves. That's really exciting, man. And you look at Ottawa as well. So Eric Perez has mentioned in the past, and I'm not sure if this will actually happen, but he has said he'd be looking to Canada to, to field some of their spots and their positions. So that's got to be pretty exciting as well. They're looking at entering League One in 2021 now. Um, yeah. So you could be a, another season away from having some more Canadians playing, maybe not at the top level, but certainly at that semi-pro level could be pretty exciting times. Mate, um, when we talk about professional teams in Canada as well, so before Eric Perez announced that um, Ottawa would be 
the the new location for this second professional side after the Wolfpack. There was a lot of talk about a few different cities. Vancouver was one of those. I've got to ask you, are there any ambitions for a pro Vancouver team in the future? What's that looking like? Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, I I hadn't really heard anything. I, I mean, I heard whispers. I mean, I know with the Major League Rugby setup, I know that, that people are trying to push for a Vancouver um, MLR team. Um, yeah. But, but I, I think a lot of people said I, what I have heard um, is that um, the, a guy by the name of Francesco Aquilini, he owns the Vancouver Canucks. Um, so when I believe Eric Perez um, used the stadium and, and the people involved with, behind Eric Perez uh, owned the Ottawa Senators, which is the ice hockey team in Ottawa. Yeah. Um, the, the word was that um, they were looking at um, the Aquilinis to fund the pro Vancouver team. Now, I've spoken to head of marketing in Toronto in 2018, actually, um, which was Scott, I can't remember his last name, but when I spoke to him, I was like, you know, can we run some Toronto Wolfpack games in, in Vancouver to get interest, you know? And, and, and not only the thing about running they have an issue with the Wolfpack because they can't play their games in because the season starts in February and they can't play any games in um in Ontario until April due to the weather you know it's way too cold yeah yeah still minus 30 (laughs) minus 40 right so it's ridiculous but you can play in Vancouver then because we only we get down to minus 10 that's probably this close coldest we get here in Vancouver so you can play it's it's rainy um you know but it's still playable and, and union plays throughout that season. So, you know, you you could potentially run some Toronto Wolfpack games out here. So a Vancouver team is very viable because, you know, they can play season, the Super League season round. The hard thing about that, though, is it's the travel. You yeah. Know, um, it's like only you said, a, you're, probably adding, you're probably adding an extra five hours to the flight, right? From exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So... You know that that'd be that. So having a, a Vancouver team involved in the in the RFL, um, whether it's League One or Championship or even Super League, is hard because the travel is actually a little bit longer. So you know it's not a transatlantic team as such as Toronto have. You're actually <laughs> transatlantic, trans America. You know, yeah. you can't across the whole the whole nation. So that'd be the issue. Um, but yeah, but I, but the, the, what I heard was that the Aquilinis were interested, um, you know, very rich, they own the Canucks. Um, and if they got behind a rugby league team, it'd be very, very successful. So, you know, who knows? I mean, I think, I think down the future, if Ottawa come in, New York come in, so that's three teams in America and you get that fourth team in Vancouver, well, there you go. You got a four team American championship. You know, and you could probably even put another team in Florida with with the base of their um, their rugby league talent down there. So th- that could be a five team, and you could run your own uh, uh, sort of championship in the Americas, which would be great. Would you see that as like a semi pro comp? That sort of work, like you'd have a feeder club to the Toronto Wolfpack, a feeder club to Ottawa, a feeder club to New York, and sort of Vancouver and and maybe Florida step up to that next level as it's sort of a tier above you know, the three competitions you have in Canada Canada at the moment, above the USARL at the moment, just that sort of next level, like a, a new sort of level to aspire to for the players? I, I think so. The, the way I see the USARL at the moment is um, a lot of uh, potential players that play in that competition, 
they are actually semi-pro themselves. You know, they're, they're, they're amazing athletes. I know, you know, Nate talks about it all the time. The, these players are athletes. You know, they're, they're, they're just changing their sport. Um, I know um, the in Canada we have the CFL, which is um, similar to the NFL, but a couple of different rules, and it's Canada's football. Um, and there was a player that came out of the CFL that went and played um, for uh, for the Wolverines at the Toronto Nines. Now he's an absolute athlete. I think he scored a couple of tries f- for the Wolverines in that in that competition. Um, the, that's that is where the Wolfpack started. They aimed at um, these athletes that are trying to make pro football, and then when they weren't making pro football, they'd come and play some rugby league. Um, so I think the talent pool for athletes in the Americas is massive, and you can tap into that. Um, I think it's just getting that word out there. Um, the, the weird thing about Canada is that we have two sports channels, TSN and Sportsnet, and they have five channels each, but they all play the same sport, you know? So these big... Oh, ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. You know, you turn on, you know, TSN 1 has the same same sport as TSN 5. So it's like five... But So these sports networks, if they could just... If they can see potential in in showing rugby league games, you know whether it's NRL or Super League, we can get the word out there. Because as soon as people start watching the sport on TV, they'll be like, "Actually, this is a great sport. How can I get involved?" You know, and if we can run plugs just behind that, saying, "You know, hey, check out your local BCRL or blah blah blah." You know, oh yeah, watch it on TV. I want to come play. From that, you know, we can get players, and I think they could definitely fit into the into the um, professional sides. And who knows? Um, I know that. Um, when you talk about, you know, high school football in Texas, you know, every town has their high school team, you know, it could be something like that when it comes down to it. Because the, the other weird thing about sports in America is that you start playing, you know, like just say you're a football player, right? In America, you start playing football yeah. at high school, you know, and then basically you do these steps to try and make pro. And if you don't make pro, that's it. Your sport's over. You don't play sport again for the rest of your life. You know, you might play some beer league softball but you're 24 <laughs> you know 24 yeah. amazing athlete and no sport to play well hello here's rugby league you know what i mean so they don't understand um they get they they go oh maybe i'll try this rugby thing then they do it and they don't understand the rules but then we say but rugby league's here which is a lot easier to understand not as many rules you're an, a, a talented athlete at 24 almost made pro nfl let's put you into some rugby league. So that's the people we'd love to get involved. It just makes so much sense. And we, I, I sit over here in Sydney and I speak to a lot of people that are Australian based and we all have a lot of international rugby league fans from Australia have this American dream and it's usually about the USA, but I include Canada in it as well. Cause I think especially with Toronto now Ottawa there, there's going to be a lot of potential in Canada and it's kind of just about sort of bridging that gap. So you know, you can get these 24-year-olds in and they're, they're absolute stud athletes, right? But you still need to, to a certain degree, teach them the game. And it's going to be very difficult to get them to a Super League or an NRL sort of standard very quickly. But like you say, if you can get... It, I, always, I always say that the NRL... Like, people always ask, you know, what can the NRL do to grow the international game? And they do a fair bit in the Pacific, but it's not necessarily their job to grow Rugby League in Canada. But what they can do is grow their brand. And by growing their brand, they're inadvertently growing rugby league in places like Canada as well. If we can get the NRL on TV in Canada and Canadians are seeing, hey, this this 
is the best rugby code. They've heard of rugby, right? They've all heard of rugby. But this yeah. is the best rugby code that's out there. And then, like you said, you tack, tag on the BCRL and, and Toronto Wolfpack and all that sort of stuff at the back of it. There's just so much potential. And I just hope that we can – we're sort of working from the top down in in North America in particular. So you've got your Toronto Wolfpack and, like you said, people argue, like argue and complain – they're just stealing players like your Ashton Sims and Josh McCrones and guys from the Super League as well. They're just stealing players from other clubs. They're not developing their own. But it kind of has to start somewhere. And uh, you mentioned Nate Gladden. He, he says this all the time, and I tend to agree with him. The, the, the kids in America and Canada in particular, they need something to aspire to and look up to. If there's no stars at the top, then what are they aiming for? And I just think we need to really make sure that Toronto are strong that they get into the Super League, that Ottawa follow, that New York follow, and we start to build from all your hard work that you're doing in these high schools up into the domestic leagues, and we start sort of building that out from there and and really starting to grow and develop. And I just think there's so much potential, man. And I just I take my hat off to you guys doing all the hard work on the ground because I think in a decade's time, it's going to be really important. And, and speaking of a decade's time, I want to ask you, so I'm going to talk national level soon. We're going to get you to put your Canadian national hat on in a sec. But put the vice president what, what hat it, on, yeah. The, the VP hat. VP um, hat on. <laughs> but but what does it look like in 10 years' time? Like, in your mind, where do you want to take it? Like, what are your plans? And we can go back to Vancouver Dragons level or British Columbia level if you like. But what are your plans for the next decade? Um, exactly. Well, the, you know, I think the first part of that is the best. 10 years time, you know, things, a lot of people want to get things happening overnight. It's, it's not going to happen. Um, Impossible. Just, just, just back on what you were saying though, you know, I can watch on the, I was just thinking about it then TSN always show AFL. I've, I've, I don't know how they get it on there, but AFL for some reason can get their games on TSN. And it, it, of course, they're on it at weird times of night. I don't know if they're paying TSN to do it or not. But if when you were talking about NRL needs to grow the game, the first thing they need to do is stop geo blocking. Both Super League and NRL need to stop that. You know, yeah. people not being able to play videos because they're not in a certain country. It's ridiculous. And just get their, you know, if they have to pay to get their their uh, their sport on sports channels in in the Americas, do it because you know we just need re- readily access um, to those games to to rugby league. So kids go, oh, I get to watch this sport, and then suddenly people get interested in it. So that's the major it's, issue. It's part of the. It needs to be part of the marketing budget. It's like uh, the old drug dealer analogy where you the first ones for free, the first hits for free. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's yeah, probably yeah. a terrible, terrible analogy, but that's <laughs> hey, how it needs to be. You're a rugby league fan, and, and that's and that's what you know satisfies you. Then you know, if you rugby need league is that. your drug, that's right. Let's do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to your question on ten years. Um, I think first and foremost, the Wolverines need to be in the World Cup for 2025. Um, that's that's our main goal. That's our main uh, mission. Um, the Ravens have made 2021, which is fantastic. Awesome. Um, we love it. We, 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 as a board, it's something exciting. Now we have to plan to get sorted, get, you know, start getting sponsors, starting getting uh, uh, girls together. Uh, my dream, um, which I'm taking to the board that we have to talk about is, is, you know, uh, the problem we had with the Ravens of 2017 was uh, they come out because it was brand new and fresh to them. A lot of them came from union. And then all of a sudden after the world cup, 
we haven't seen it. The, the, the ladies just disappeared and went back to Union because there wasn't that carrot there. So what I'm trying to do and trying to get started is get these girls that are interested in playing for the Ravens, well, you know, hey, you need to be registered to a club for 2020 and a registered club for 2021 before you can get even get mentioned, you know, so that'll improve the domestic game. Um, you know, I'd love to see um, for the, for the 10 year plan for the Vancouver dragons is um, maintaining our, uh, maintaining our presence in the BCRL. So having a, a team of, you know, a registered, 36 players to 45 players every season and then from that developing enough finance to to fund our junior a junior program um in ontario they have uh two junior clubs uh one's called the holderman wolfpack and the other one's called the gina griffins now they are strictly junior they're not even part of the orl they are actually strictly junior rugby league clubs they have something of up to 75 registered kids um, and then all they're doing is running clinics and running training sessions. And that's something we want to get started here in BC. That's something that we see in the future. Um, I've spoken to many guys on this and it's something we can achieve. Um, I feel the rugby union in BC really have failed in this. Um, they don't, their junior program is there, but it's not as, as, as structured. Like the best thing I loved about rugby league growing up is rugby league is a structured sport when it comes to juniors, you know, you know, your nappy grade starts at 9am, you know, with a under 16 year old mm-hmm. referee that's going to be playing later in under 16s. So it goes up the grades until you reach first grade at 3pm. So uh, you get a full day of rugby league from 9am in the morning, right up to 3pm in the afternoon, which is fantastic. So that's what I want to, I, I see that we can create um, the, 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 the carrot or the, the, the goal we have here in, in Canada is that sport is expensive in North America. It's very expensive. Parents, um, you know, they could pay any, just without even get stepping on the ice for ice hockey, they're already $1,000 down just on kids. Oh, I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. we're talking shoulder pads and thigh pads and skates and ice time. Before they even hit the ice, the parents are $1,000 down. And then, you know, talk about registration fees and, you know, you know, so, so the best thing that we can do about rugby league and what I want to do in rugby league is, is, is it's going to cost them, you know, nothing. It costs them, I'll say to parents, you know, Hey, sign your kids up in junior development, play some rugby league, you know, it'll cost you nothing to play. And parents, you know, they want their kids to be playing sport, you know, and the benefit of BC is because we have good weather all year round um, or decent weather all year round, you know, kids can play outside. So I think in 10 years' time, I see maybe three or four junior clubs in BC, which is great, which I can see that. And then I can also see our high school championship growing to a 20 high school team knockout. Um, And that's across the nation. I I can see, you know, hopefully high schools getting involved from Ontario and maybe have a national knockout. It'd be fantastic. Um, And I think for the growth of senior women's and senior men's, a national championship. So the weird thing about rugby league here in this country is that the Ontario rugby league have never played the BC rugby league provincial squads. That is insane. (laughs) Is it, they just don't want to fly across? What, like, is it money? It it could, it's a mixture of everything really, to be honest. Um, I remember the former Wolverines coach, Jamie Lester came over to BC in 2013 and he was looking for potential Wolverines and he got a few Wolverines to play in the national squad that year. But he sort of looked at the BCRL comp and he said, 
oh, there's no way I can bring a team over. He goes, you guys are way, the, the league, the rugby league here is way above what we're playing in Ontario. So there was a mixture of that, you know, and, you know, we can't bring a rugby league team over, you know, we will get smashed. So that, you know, Alberta and Ontario and, and BC play a regular team every, there's a September long weekend here. So they yeah. play, you know, we play one in Edmonton, we play one in Calgary, one in BC, uh, in Vancouver. So, you know, that's, that's a regular occurrence. We, we, we keep up with the Alberta rugby league. So, the the idea would be um, the next the next hotspot for rugby league in Canada is Quebec, um, which yeah. is the French province. Um, once we can get started in rugby league there, then having a national championship between the the four hopefully the four provinces uh, would be great. Um, and then the way I see it from there, this is my idea for for development is you, you know basically play for Vancouver Dragons, then you play for the BC Bulldogs. And then from that national championship, we choose a Western Canada versus Eastern Canada Canada side. And then from that, you choose your Wolverines. So, you know, and from that, you can grow. Like, I'd love to have the Western Canada versus Eastern Canada being like a state of origin. So, you know, if you were, like, we have a player who plays for the Dragons currently. His name is Jake Swartz. He's originally from Quebec. He grew up in Quebec. So, he if he made... BC Bulldogs and then good enough to play for the for Eastern or Western Canada. Well, he has to play for Eastern because he was born in Quebec. So, mm. you know, that sort of rivalry, because there is a massive rivalry in Canada between the West and the East. It's, 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 it's dormant here, but it's massive. So if you can bring that into rugby league, you know, I'd love to see that game, the three game series happening every year. Um, again, it come, again, you know, developing nations, we always deal with, with um, when it comes to finances, but on top of finances, it's really just travel. Like I said, it's a five and a half hour flight from here to, to Ontario. So, you know, that's you know, trying to, to organize that on a national level um, when, without, you know, proper funding is 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 a is a massive headache. <laughs> yeah, man. I, well, I I got to say congratulations because I speak to a lot of people in developing nations um, due to this podcast, and never has anyone been able to just in a few minutes outline a ten year plan like you just did. Like twenty schools playing in BC, you know, new leagues in Quebec. Like, but you've 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 mapped it out and outlined it. And obviously, there'd be a lot of work involved to really get that happening. But it it excites me to know that you're you're even thinking about it at school level and junior level. Like, and that's why I believe like Canada has a real future because of thinking like that and because there's potential like that as well. I've got to say as well, like you know, if Greg Inglis can play for Queensland but be born in New South Wales, I'm not sure how the east-west lines are gonna are gonna work for you guys as well. <laughs> yeah, but but it but it's exciting because in my mind, before speaking to you, I thought, okay, if they get, I, I saw like British Columbia versus um, Ontario versus Quebec, et cetera, et cetera, as being the origin level. But you've even set up a level above that, your east versus west, and I think that's really cool. And if that can sort of all work and it needs to spread like more teams in BC, more teams in Alberta, et cetera, et cetera. It needs to spread. So you almost need to have, and I look at the USARL as well. I always compare it to that. And I just think, okay, there's teams in Florida, but they're like 10 hours apart. Like really there needs to be four or five teams in Jacksonville, similar to what you guys have around that Vancouver region. You know, like I think that's where the strength in British Columbia rugby league is just from listening to you in that you can drive, maximum maybe an hour and you're at and you're at your next game you don't have to go across country like some of some other developing nation club sides have to do 
So I think that's really exciting. And if that can sort of spread out and grow, then sky's the limit. And, um, I mean, that's awesome, man. That, like, Do you think that maybe the fact that in BC you guys, because it sounds like the Wolverine squad are sort of based in your Toronto sort of Ontario regions, do you think it makes it hard for some of the BC guys to get recognised and to represent Canada? Yeah. Has that uh, been an issue in the past? Oh, it's it's a it's a massive issue. It's um you know I mean like I said you know with fun funding, you know we are asking you know we're asking head coaches to basically volunteer their time, and then mm. part of volunteering their time is saying hey can you fly over to BC and watch guys and you know I know Ben Fleming has had an issue with that you know getting over to watch games so he, he a lot of the time he watches on video. Um, you know, and, and, and that the Jacksonville qualifiers, a lot of really talented BCRL guys missed out because the head coach couldn't get over to BC to watch the games, you know, so that's always been a, an issue. And, and I, I feel it's funny because I've, you know, I've been a couple of times, this is, this is the major problem that BCRL have is that they have, I, I'm, you know, I have my BCRL hat on when I'm talking to the CRLA board and I'm, and then everyone and CRLA is like, what are you talking about? I'm like, listen, we're the strongest comp. We have the strongest amount of players. It shouldn't be, you shouldn't be picking Wolverines from Ontario at all. You know what I mean? We, we, mm. You can fill the whole Wolverine squad just from the local Canadian players and in, in the BCRL. But again, you know, that's, that's, that's just thinking with my BCRL hat on. Um, but yeah, look, like for example, this, um, the Serbia tour coming up, um, there's only, I think, two players from BC going um, currently. Um, and then this, this, the, the squad is actually quite strong from, from Ontario. Um, but, you know, that's also a, it's a, it's also a pay-to-play um, tour. So a lot, of the, a lot of the players are paying their own way. Um, in fact, there's, on top of that, there's also an Australian and New Zealand um, going, uh, going to that game. They're coming from Australia and New Zealand to play on that Canadian Wolverine squad. Um, but everybody else is going to be domestic. So, you know, it, it, that's, it's, it's tough um, because we want, we want to pick players um, nationally, but the hard part about it is how are we going to pay for coaches and, and selectors to, to travel to all these places to watch the players play? USA, Italy and Uruguay. What do they have in common? Well, they've all had awesome jerseys and or logos designed by the very talented Matt Haynes. And guys, episode 32 of the Chasing Kangaroos podcast is brought to you by Matt Haynes Sport. Check him out, matthaynesport.com or at matthaynesport on Instagram. I'll add these in the show notes for you. Do yourself a favor, get your jerseys, your logos designed from this guy because he's going to be famous one day. Let's talk national because yep. you, you guys have kind of dropped to third in the region with Jamaica now in the World Cup and USA um, sort of just behind them. And, mm. and Canada were always sort of that number two after the USA. So you guys have dropped to third, but you, you're potentially not even fielding your strongest squad, you're telling me. So no. it, it must be very frustrating. Oh, absolutely. And, it, you know, I think... I think we, we made a mistake, um, I think it was two years ago, I believe, we, we had a New Zealand police team come over and we played our national squad against them and, and we got beaten. And from that, I think it just, we sort of went, oh, this is this is not the pathway we want. Like, I wasn't on the board then. So when I came on, mm. the first thing I said is, listen, 
the Wolverines only play national games. Let, you know, if we want to strengthen our, our brand, we play national squads. So if Lebanon comes, we play Lebanon. If the, you know, new Queensland police come, they can play whoever they want, but they're not playing the Wolverines. We only mm. play national squads. Um, so when Ben Fleming came to me about, uh, or came to the board about the Serbia tour, um, yeah. I knew, I knew that it was a great opportunity because Serbia are currently, I think it's uh, seven, uh, what are they? They are I think 17. they're 17. 17. Yeah, yeah. And we are 21st currently. So, um, you know, playing Serbia, it was a no brainer. It's a, it's not a, it's a transatlantic flight. Um, they are 17th ranked, um, and we can get a team there to play. So straight out, I was like, yep, I'm all for this tour. Um, so I think the problem, the only reason why we've we've moved, dropped a third is I think the other two nations have have, have strengthened. Uh, Jamaica were unbelievable. <laughs> mm. I, I was there mm. in the Jacksonville qualifiers, and Jamaica were just another level. I, I knew they were going to win after they played us, and it was I think thirty eight to six. I think we lost. I was or thirty eight to eight. I think as soon as after we played, I was just like they're going to win the comp. And yeah. when I turned up to see them play America, America looked silly because Jamaica were just running right. Um, and that's a mixture of the heritage of domestic players. I think they're going to go a lot further than what people think at the 2021 World Cup. Um, but that is, that's how Jamaica have gone. They've, they've always been, oh, they're just these guys coming over and playing Canada. It's, you know, a bit of fun. But now they've grown. Romeo Monteith has got those guys going at, at a, a different level. Um, and on top of that, you've got the USARL who have grown. You know, they've got an extra couple of teams this year. Um, they've got extra, you know, they've got some expat players who are playing, uh, who are playing alongside domestic players. That strengthens the comp. So I, I think, I think at the moment, uh, after the Serbia tour, we'll really see um, where we're at um, with the with our, with our team. But I think we will grow, um, and I think that we just have to keep up with the region. I think Chile, they're coming out. I think they're going to really dominate as again i mean i ca i couldn't believe when i heard that they have two <laughs> two domestic competitions like you know a north, oh, and, no, south north and south yeah you know crazy. and that that's the key that's the key to developing nations it's your domestic comp you know if you try to win um if you try to come into competitions and try and win on a national level because you have heritage players playing in australia or new zealand you're going to fail you need you need to develop your domestic comp and you need to strengthen your domestic comp. And once you have domestic players who are playing an elite level, that's when your nation can grow. So um, when you have when we, the Serbia tour is going to be fantastic. I, I you know I can't wait to hear about it. Um, they, they're playing. Uh, what did he say? Oh, he said they're, they're going to play Montenegro. Um, they, they're going to play Bosnia and Montenegro. Um, and then the Ravens are going to potentially be playing Italy or Turkey. Uh, when oh, they that's get great. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so that's going to be great. Um, and basically, Serbia has been really, really generous because they're they're, they're providing you know, cheap ground costs, uh, bus driver. Um, you know, they've 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 reached out because they they want this to happen. I mean, you know, because they they get national exposure playing Canada. Um, yeah. And I I'm I'm actually quite worried about how the how the how the Wolverines will go because you know I mean they went really well against the um, was it the amateur side what was that score in in England when they travelled and played Oh like, it was I, like it was about thirty two to twelve off the top of my head there was about twenty points in it but it was pretty close for most of the game and, um, and that's great so yeah yeah you know so 
you know, I can't wait to, to see how that, that'll go down. But it, but like I said, it, it all comes down to domestic comps. The Balkan Super League is, is, is strengthening, so therefore Serbia are going to have a, strength, a strong side, you know. So the Wolverines getting over there and getting exposure is exactly what we need um, to, to, grow, to, to grow the comp, to grow, but it's all about strengthening the domestic comp to, to um, support the national sides. Yeah, I love that. And when I heard that Serbia and well, Canada was touring Serbia in both men's and women's, like so exciting because it's it's just this uncharted territory. Like you just said, we have no idea who's going to win this. We don't know what level you guys are at in compa- like compared to each other. So I can't wait to watch it. I'm sure it's going to be streamed because Serbia and Red Star Belgrade in particular are very good at making sure that that stuff gets gets online. So I'm really nice. looking forward to seeing that at the end of the year. And, um, and you touched on Jamaica as well. Like they're just, they've impressed me so much since the end of, since that America's cup championship last year. And even seeing their domestic boys get on top of the USA again this year. Oh, that was great. Just, that was so good. Yeah. That was unbelievable. But just, and even when they went against the Knights and they were like drew, I think was it was a draw. They um, drew, they drew. So that, yeah, Jamaica, a drew, 12 all against the Knights in a in a nines That's tournament, it. but then they lost. Um, I think it was 30. Again, there was probably about 16 or 20 points in it in a full game, but it was tied. I think they were leading at one point. So it's they're there. They the skill the skill base is getting there. That the athleticism is certainly there. And Jamaica, like some of these domestic guys, from speaking to Romeo in bits and pieces here and there. The Jamaica, some of these domestic Jamaican guys are going to find their way into the English Super League system. And I hope NRL scouts are watching too because there's some really impressive athletes there. And like you said, I hope, like, I don't know how many games, if any, they'll win at the World Cup, but man, I'm sure there's going to be a Cool Runnings 2 movie coming out about these guys because <laughs> it's, it's just such a great story. Well, I mean, and, and the hardest part yeah. is, though, I spoke to Remy about this and I said, you know, I think what we need is we need to get, you know, Jamaicans, you know, traveling like your, like, because the thing about Canada, if I see two or three kids that are really, really good, I say to them, okay, you know, you, you want to improve your rugby league get yourself a working visa and head to Australia and do a year or two in Australia playing rugby league. You'll develop your skills and then you'll come back and you'll be a better player. And we've had a lot yeah. of players do that. Um, a lot, we've had a really tight um, connection with the Jamboree Subarus. We've had like eight or nine Canadians go over there and play um, in their comp. Um, and I said, you know, I said to Romy, I said, we, you need to get guys going to Jamaica, but Jamaica and Australia don't have the same connection visa wise. Mm. So Jamaicans can't get working holidays to go and play rugby league in Australia. Uh, yep, so yep, yep. What we need is we need Australians who are like, you know, retired Australian coaches and stuff like that going, oh, you know what? I think I could do six months in Jamaica. I mean, come on now. It's Jamaica. You know, <laughs> like get how, over How good there, would that be? You yeah. Know, help out, you know, domestic comp and, and help rugby. Because most, that's the other thing about Jamaica. Most of these developing nations have people like me who are expat Aussies that are helping out in rugby league because we're rugby league nuts. Jamaica doesn't have that. They've developed their rugby league from nothing. It's it's just from from a guy that saw a bit of rugby league and went, oh, I think this is a good game to play. So there aren't any like Aussie um, expats in Jamaica helping them their 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 domestic team or their domestic comp grow. So how good would it be if we get some developers and some NRL development offices and stuff over there developing their players in rugby league? I mean, the potential is amazing. That's one thing that I'm excited about when Jamaica take the field at, tw- at the 2021 World Cup 
and then afterwards the commentators interview Romeo or one of the players, people's minds are going to be blown just by the accents. It's like uh, we mentioned Nate Gladden <laughs> yeah. again. That's why we love I love listening to his podcast because it's an American dude talking about rugby league. Once they hear Romeo interviewed, it's going to be like, holy shit, the rugby league world just got a little bit bigger in the minds of many. It's going to be incredible. And, and yeah. you mentioned, you touched on Chile as well. And let me tell you, like Brazil are coming too, man, really oh, quickly from what wait. I've heard. So that's exciting. And it. It, just, it just puts more pressure on Canada. And, and I think you guys can get there. I think you guys can be a genuine one or two um, in, the, in the near future in your region. And, and World Cup has to be on the cards. It is for the Ravens. So you mentioned that as well. So how are preparation going for the women's side for 2021? Or has it all sort of just started now that you got the go-ahead only a few weeks ago? Yeah, we're in early early stages, but like, like I said, you know, I, I want it's it's all about domestic. So you know, we, we the the uh, BC uh, representative squad are called the BC Storm, uh, and they had a uh, they had a hit out uh, on Grand Final day, um, and they've got a new coach, Brian Wilkinson. Um, and he runs the Storm program for the, for our women's, and it's really just about changing their mindset. You know, at the moment they see growth being uh, rugby union uh, for the women, whereas you know, with the um, WNRL, um, we see growth being rugby league for women. You know, hey, listen, if you can master this sport and get better at this sport, um, you know, you can head down to Australia and get paid to play. You know, which is there's no professional rugby union for women. So, you know, this is your pathway to professional sports. So mm. I think it's just changing that mindset to women to say, this is where, this is where you need to be headed. Um, but I see the growth for the Ravens um, preparation wise is domestic. So they, you know, register themselves to a, to a team in the BCRL um, and, and get that, that domestic comp going. Uh, and of course it's finding a coach currently looking for a Ravens coach. I think, uh, uh, where our selections committee has uh, is getting together all the resumes of people who are applying for the position, um, and then once we we make a decision on a Ravens coach, then we can start the preparations from there. But uh, I'm uh, definitely going to be there for the uh, for the Rugby League World Cup. There's a the other major thing that we've got going is the World Cup festival. I know you uh, mentioned you you broke the news. Uh, <laughs> let's touch, let's touch on that. So yeah, a- anyone that follows us on social media will have heard about the emerging nations happening in 2021. It's going to be June, July, um, so a few months before the World Cup proper. I'm assuming Canada in the in the men's uh, have their invitation or have their expression of interest. Is that correct? Uh, I believe we have put forward a expression of interest for the emerging nations, but we're actually focusing a lot more on the other two, which is uh, I got Didier Bance being the head coach of the Point Grey Thunder, which is the University of British Columbia team. Uh, They've also put expression of interest for the Canadian National University team. Yeah, awesome. We're going to have a a, – we have strong roots in university. So we're going to have a, uh, we're going to put expression of interest for a Canadian national university team. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if people know too much about Canada, but we have our own sort of national police, which are called the Mounties, which are the uh, Royal Canadian oh, yep. Police. Um, yep. So that they're a national police force. Um, and the thing about the RCMP is that they, a lot of cities use them as their police force. So they don't actually have a, a, a local police force. They have the RCMP that, that runs the the police for their for their town or city, so being a national police force, 
I want them involved to be a, a police side. So hopefully I'm going to try and get a few guys to get expression of interest for a Canadian national police force side um, and get them over there for that, the World Cup Festival as well. So there are two, well, hopefully we'll have women's as well involved for the, the university and for the police. So there are major two um, things we're trying to grow. And I think from that, plus the emerging nations to have Canada there, we can have, you know, a real strong presence in at the World Cup. I'd also love to see, I'd, you know, I'm, and I'm, I'm tipping my hat to, again, to many things, but I'd love to have our provincial side do a just a tour as well. So the BC Bulldogs going over and playing, you know, three or four amateur sides in England and then being there for the World Cup as well. So, you know, I, I really want, I think 2021 is a real good platform to showcase the talent we have in Canada, whether it's university sides, police sides, or, um, um, or, uh, or domestic or sorry, provincial, you know, I think, um, I think that's a really good opportunity for us to, um, to showcase, um, you know, the talent we have in Canada when it comes to rugby league. You're right. It's going to blow some minds again, like people listening to this, well, not right now, but once it's released. But just to know that there are there's r- potentially rugby league at all those levels in Canada is fantastic, and it's good to hear that you guys are going to be trying to get involved as much as you can in those um, in the emerging nations and in the festival of of rugby league in 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 its entirety, mate. So what's what do the next few years look like? Like, how does Canada in the men's get to the World Cup in 2025 or 2020? 29 what what happens next what are you what are you guys planning over the next few years after this serbia tour um what's next well i think um next we have the america's championships so we have the america's nines and we america's championships that are going to held uh, every two years um yep. i think they're going to roll la- la- um off each other. So for example, the nines will be one year and then the championship one year. So I think next yep. year, uh, 2020 is going to be the America's championships. We're not sure where we want the held. Um, a lot of people are asking for it to happen in Vancouver and I think it'd be a fantastic if it could happen in Vancouver. Um, That'll be cool. So, you know, we have great facilities here and obviously great weather for, to hold it. So it'd be great to have that. And then the nines rolling into the, to the emerging nations. Um, we would love to have a team in the downer nines. That'd be fantastic. Um, I, I don't. That'd be cool. Uh, you, know, you know, I think we have an. Uh, I, I remember um, we had a Canadian Australian team uh, uh, led by Aaron Zimmerly, um, who was the uh, Queensland Origins coach at one stage. Um, he had a Canadian Australian team that played in the Cabramatta nines. They won it. <laughs> so when, you know, when was that? Yeah, that's cool. Uh, Twenty. So I have to say 2014 or 2015, I, I believe. Um, cool. And that and that had um, two promising Canadian heritage players, Reese and Riley Jacks, in that team. Um, uh, yep. So, you know, I think we've got a lot of talent in Australia, um, you know, of, of players that are going down to play um, in Australia. So I think, you know, it'd be great to have a team in the down to nines. Um, but moving forward, it really is about junior development and domestic development. You know, once once we strengthen our domestic comps, uh, once we have people getting forward and 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 we have more Canadians on the Wolfpack and and on Ottawa teams, uh, once we have that, then you know, sky's the limit. Um, and the I, I know the goal um, is to get is to crack the top ten. You know, if we can get in the top ten. Um, in world rankings in the next five years, then, you know, that's, that's where we want to see each other. That's where, that's where we're going to see Canada. And I think we have the ability to do it. You know, like I said, um, Canadians 
um, of, uh, I mean, that's any country really, let's be honest, but you know, Canadians are very talented sports people. Um, whether whether they're coming from sports like lacrosse, ice hockey, basketball, whatever it is, and over to rugby league, you know those skills transfer across. Once you're an athlete, you're an athlete. So once we can get the exposure, and once we can grow the development of domestic game, I think we've got a great chance of cracking the top ten and surprising and turning a few heads of rugby league in Canada. Man, that's exciting, and I love the passion. Like I said, I love the the thought that is going into all of this, and. I wish you all the success in the world, man. If there's anything we can do to help uh, or any news you want to keep giving us in the future, that'll be fantastic. But, mate, um, before we before we sign off and say goodbye, is there anything else that I've that I've that you want to mention that that deserves a mention that I've forgotten, or any any little, little bits of news that you can share with us, or just anything at all before we before we say bye? Mate, uh, I, I think you know it's podcasts like yours. I, I just love the passion you have for international rugby league. I, <laughs> I, I had no idea about anything to do with international rugby league until I got involved when I, until I moved here. Um, and I think it's podcasts like yours and 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 Nate's and and the Hell and Aaron stuff like it's it. These podcasts yep. are what's driving the international game. You know, people are hearing about us. People are are, are going on about it, and I think. I think to all the listeners in Australia, you know, get behind International Rugby League. It's it's the most important thing to if you you know the the world is is massive, um, and I think it's exciting um, that we have rugby league going on. And and the, the international rugby league community is so tight. You know, like I said, Romeo has has offered me to stay at his place so many times to come and check out rugby league. <laughs> so you know, I'm I'm sure that that would you know that would be open to many Australians that want to want to visit Jamaica and, and try and grow the game. So you know, thank you very much for 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 growing international game and you know get get behind it. Um, you know, let's get big numbers out to the down and nines because that's the international game right there. You reminded me I need to buy my tickets, so I'll definitely be going down to the nights. And I think that's going to be a sellout because it's going to be just such a, a festival of rugby league. It's going to be fantastic. Oh, and I think, you know, but I, you know, I'm a 90s kid, you know, and, and I used to love watching the 1997 Coca-Cola World 7s. You know, how good was, was it? It was, it was, you know, it's nostalgia right there. My actually, funny story, if I've got a, a moment, my dad yeah, yeah. used to drink with Warren Ryan down at the Pagewood Hotel. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and Warren Ryan, you know, I mean, amazing coach. He got offered to coach the USA team um, for the sevens that year in 97. And he invited my dad to be the trainer. And my, you know, my dad took me down and I was standing in the, I remember standing in, in the tunnel of the SFS. I don't know. That's what I was, cool. I don't know. I was like 14 or 15, you know, and there's, you know, Fred Fittler, you know, and, and Andrew Johns and all that getting ready to come. And I was just like, these guys are playing against, you know, international teams. And I was so excited. And I never knew that, you know, my life would lead to to, to being part of International Rugby League. So, you know, I, I just love it. Just get behind it. It's the most important thing about the game. I love it. I'm pretty sure my love for International Rugby League started at those sevens as well. And I don't know if it was the same year, but was it was that the year that I remember the USA, though, the Tomahawks back then, one of the players like threw a gridiron pass under the post. Yep. Someone caught it yeah. and scored a try, and then it was called forward, of course, and everyone, yeah. everyone laughed <laughs> yeah. and had a great time. Yeah, because it was. I think was, that... I was like, this is great. I, I actually remember there was a game. Um, we had one of the fastest players on our team. I think his name was Greg Smith. He's like one. Like, he's like Carlin Isles, right in the sevens or whatever. Anyway, they put this 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 kick off, and it went really really high. And I think it was against Italy, actually, as USA versus Italy, and. The guy ran from the halfway line from the kickoff, caught the ball under the post and scored. 
Like I was like, what was yeah. that? You know, so you know, it, it was. I think the whole the whole thing about it is just it's it's amazing to see. You know, you don't expect. I love I love it when you talk about Dutch rugby league. I'm like, oh, that's amazing. I can't believe there was a massive rivalry in in the Netherlands. You know, it's it's just it's ah oh, it's so nice, so good. It's fantastic, and it keeps growing, man. And I, I think it's probably in a better state than it's ever been. And it's thanks to guys like you, man. So thank you very much for all that you do. Um, is there any links that you want to give us any way people can contact you or maybe links to the YouTube page so they can hear you commentate some BC games? Uh, let yeah, us know. Definitely. I'll pop them in the show notes as well. Definitely. Yeah, get get involved, guys. Canada Rugby League is on YouTube. Uh, subscribe. Uh, get on there. Um, we put all post all our games. Uh, our website for the BCRL is BC, bcrugbyleague.ca. Uh, get involved there, um, and then the, obviously the Canada Rugby League also has their uh, their website. So find out them through the Wolverines, and everything else is on Facebook. So just search it up, get involved, and uh, yeah, hopefully you don't get sick of my voice with uh, commentating the games. How can they, mate? Josh Knight, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you so much for chasing kangaroos with me tonight. Well, guys, it's that time again, golden points. Let's find out what is happening all the way around the rugby league world. Let's start in the USA golden point, and it's getting into the business end of the season for the USARL as they prepare for their final. So in the Northern Conference, the Brooklyn Kings ended their undefeated season in style with a 76-10 shellacking over the White Plains Wombats. So in the finals now, the Kings will face the Nova Eagles, uh, and the Boston 13s will face the Delaware Black Foxes. Uh, my prediction are Kings and Boston will win those games. Uh, meanwhile, down south, the undefeated Jacksonville Axemen will face the Southwest Florida Copperheads, and Tampa Mayhem, uh, Mayhem will face the Lakeland Renegades. I'm predicting Jacksonville and Tampa there. Guys, if I was a betting man, I'd have my money on a 2018 grand final replay this season at this stage. Uh, it's it's really looking like the Kings and Jacksonville will fight out for the title of USARL champions. Uh, from that point on, it's pretty unpredictable for mine. So, you know, if we get to that point, really looking forward to it. I think they've been the best two teams all year from what I've seen, what I've heard. And, uh, yeah, could be pretty exciting. Guys, golden point and staying in the US of A. So the Atlanta Rhinos, some of you may have heard. Uh, they've been in the Southern Final every year since 2014. Well, not this year. Uh, unfortunately, they've had to pull out of the finals this season after a very frustrating one. So the side often have been falling short of having a full squad for their away games, which can get tricky. It's like eight, ten hours travel sometimes in that Southern Conference. So with the, But in particular this year with the new uh, Major League Rugby side in town, many of the Rhinos boys I think are looking for semi-pro contracts. So travelling that far for Rugby League games and, and risking injury just doesn't make sense. Um, I'm sure there's more to it as well, guys. But, uh, yeah, Captain Nick Newland on a recent Instagram post has vowed to bring the team back to its former glory. And Chasing Kangaroos are right behind you, mate, if you're listening. So good luck with that. And, and we hope the Atlanta Rhinos, just like the New York Knights, uh, come back very strongly in that USARL. But, yeah, good luck to all involved in the finals. Guys, golden point over across the Dutch to New Zealand and thanks to our French man in New Zealand for sharing info with us on this one. So Counties Manukau, the Stingrays have won the New New Zealand woman, uh, Women's National Competition last weekend. This is the 10th time in a row that the Stingrays have won the comp 
uh, which runs as a round-robin tournament over one weekend. This year featured six teams from around the North and South Islands of New Zealand. And uh, I don't know why I'm using the accent. I'm really sorry. Uh, check out our Instagram page for full list of sides. So check that out, guys. Really good work and really strong uh, women's comp over there. So New Zealand Warriors could be looking good in the NRLW. Guys, golden point over to England. So let's talk Challenge Cup, where the Warrington Wolves defeated Castleford Tigers 22-14 to for a final spot at Wembley at the Challenge Cup. Uh, they're going to face St Helens, who defeated a very spirited Halifax side 26-2. to I think it was like 6-2 at halftime. I didn't get to watch that game. Uh, but yeah, Halifax, for a semi-pro side, they really showed quite a bit of spirit. They can be really proud. And, you know, people were predicting St Helens by 50-plus. So they did really well. Meanwhile, in the women's, in that part of that triple header, so the Leeds Rhino, won their second Challenge Cup in a row. They defeated the more favoured Castleford Tigers 16-10. to It's the first time the Tigers have lost all year, including Super League. They've been a real powerhouse. So I certainly was shocked by that one. I predicted the Tigers would get that win uh, for anyone that listened to the podcast last week. And meanwhile, in the 1985 Cup, so 1985 Cup is like the championship or the second division style of, of Challenge Cup, which is a pretty cool concept that has come in this year. And I guess what they're looking for is having more of these well-followed English sides at Wembley to try and beef up uh, the the crowds after last year's crowd was, you know, a little over 50,000, but I guess not not deemed to be successful. Uh, 1985 Cup, so the Lee Centurions lost to the Witness Vikings 12-8. So Witness will go through to the final there. And the Sheffield Eagles 18-2 over the Batley Bulldogs. Sheffield go through to face Witness in the final. Uh, and for the record, my tips for the finals will be Saints and Sheffield. So, yeah, but once again, good luck to all involved. Guys, well, we've talked UK. Let's talk Golden Point in Australia as well. And how exciting was the NRL last weekend? So many are calling it the round of the season, and I agree. So round 19 saw a number of close battles. Cronulla Sharks 16-14, uh, West Tigers 28-26. Sorry. So round 18 saw a number of close battles. you got the Cronulla Sharks defeating the Cowboys 16-14, West Tigers over the Newcastle Knights 28-26, St George narrowly defeated by Souths 20 to 16. I reckon it was a forward pass at the end, but I'm a little bit biased. Uh, Parramatta Eels 24, New Zealand Warriors 22, and what a nail biter! Manly 11 over the Melbourne Storm 10 in extra time. Uh, I was at the I was <laughs> attending the Men of League Foundation Gala Ball, and I got to tell you, everyone in that room was watching this game on their phones. And uh, yeah, it was pretty tense, man. And good luck, good, good on Manly for getting the win. But what about Melbourne? They've lost three games this year, and all by two points or less. I think it's been a total of four points. So two points, one point, and one point. Uh, just crazy. Like I can't see them dropping two in a row. They're going to be specials for the grand final, that's for sure. And it goes to show how good this competition is, especially after the effects of Origin. Season, the Origin season have worn off. So yeah, exciting times in the NRL. Even if your side like mine, uh, has absolutely no chance of making the eight. So for the record, I think I'm going to be back in the Raiders in that top eight. But anyway, let's see what happens when we get there. Guys, Golden Point, uh, international news. So an international match has been announced. And after defeating Colombia in their first ever international outing, the India Jungle Cats have announced they will face another Latin American side later this year. El Salvador will step up to the challenge this November. And once again, this one will be played in Brisbane. Golden Point Emerging Nations. So if you followed us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter, you will have seen that last week 
We leaked the news that a men's and women's Emerging Nation Championship will take place as part of the 2021 World Cup festivities. So the championship is scheduled for two weeks in June-July, which is a rather contentious point. We'll get to that in a sec. It's going to happen in 2021 in Manchester. Nations who take part will be guaranteed at least three games each, uh, and a number of invitations or expressions of interest have been sent to developing nations all the way around the world. Now, unlike the World Cup, those who apply are accept- and, and are accepted will need to pay their own way. Now, we're anticipating this could cost cl- um, the, the nations around £1,000 per head, uh, plus travel to and from Manchester. So it could get pretty expensive, like you're looking at over fifty grand uh, for a side, uh, Australian that is. Now, I'm interested to see, to see which nations take part. And I know in particular for the women's, Fiji, Greece, USA and Wales are keen. I've spoken to all of them or heard from all of them. And I'm sure sides like Italy will be keen to prove that they should have been in the World Cup proper as well on the women's side. For the men's, we, we've just heard that Canada are keen, along with, with a few others. Um, but I'm not sure how many there will be. And I have heard that some nations, including the current Emerging Nations champions, Malta, and a few others that took part in that tournament uh, in 2018, are a little bit concerned about the timing. So they're kind of under the impression, A, that the Emerging Nations would be aiming for a 2022 tournament, so four years after this one, so they had a little bit more time to save. But they're also concerned about the June-July sort of period, which, which I can kind of understand. So their concerns are that, you know, many nations, and in particular the Australian season, is is very much mid-season, so it would be difficult for players to be released. And of course, a lot of teams like Malta and a few others that have a lot of heritage players in Australia might find it difficult to come across. It's also the most expensive time to travel to Europe. So obviously that's summer, so it's going to be difficult to find accommodation, etc., etc., and and flights. So we may see some tension in the lead up here. But look, either way. I think there's no doubt 2021 is going to be the biggest festival of rugby league that we've ever seen. And I'm all for the emerging nations and and really happy about it. So well done to the World Cup committee and the RLIF for organising it. I do hope that, you know, maybe something can be sorted out. I'm not sure how many teams will be there. Not sure if the date will change, but I do hope it really powers ahead. And, you know, watch this space. We'll find out some more. Guys, I spoke to Lee Addison as well on the Hard Yards podcast, which will be released this week around about the same time as this, uh, where we we go a little bit deeper as well and talk about talk about all of this as well. So be sure to check that out if you're keen. We also talk a lot about Argentina. Lee recently had a trip over there. So really, some really exciting stuff happening in the Latin American nation as well. Guys, golden point. Let's go over to Europe. So all the way back on episode 16, the Italia episode, where I spoke to the president of the Italia Rugby League, Orazio Daro, and he leaked on our show that an under-19s European Championship will take place in Legnano, Italy in 2020. There were seven sides qualified so far for the tournament, with one spot remaining. And this week, we found out that that spot will go to the winner of a qualifier between Turkey and the Ukraine on August 31. So good luck to all involved. Uh, If I have to tip, I'd probably say Turkey. I'm not too sure, though, about the squad, so I'm just really having a guess. (laughs) Guys, golden point. Over to Malta. So in Game 2 of the Maltese Origin, the Black Knights, so that's the expats, have defeated the Red Knights, so that's the locals, 40 points to 6 in their uh, Maltese Origin. So the Black Knights will take the first Origin trophy in Malta. And what a great initiative. So great job to the team in Malta for putting this together. Hopefully it will continue for many, many years to come. Uh, Guys, Golden Point over in Canada. So news surfaced during the week. I heard this from uh, the full 80 minutes, guys, uh, that the Ottawa side... 
uh, will withhold uh, from entering the R RFL leagues in 2020. Instead, they're going to take the extra year to prepare. Uh, the side is likely to enter the League One in 2021. And I, for one, think it's a good idea. I hope they really use the next 18 months to build up for what could be a huge launch for them, the second professional side in Canada. So after everything we've heard tonight, this is obviously really exciting stuff. Uh, golden point over to Papua New Guinea. So congratulations to Ed, uh, Eden Gebby, uh, the Papua New Guinean fullback who has signed a two-year deal with the Rabbitohs, South Sydney Rabbitohs. So Gebby, and sorry, probably pronouncing his name incorrectly, incorrectly <laughs> pronounce that poorly as well. Uh, he played for the Papua New Guinean side in the mid-year Pacific test against Samoa. And I was really impressed. Uh, he played really well in a beaten side. Uh, but, yeah, I just thought it was very evasive, um, very unpredictable as well. So really looking forward to hopefully seeing him get his chance in first grade next year. I hope it also encourages more NRL sides to bring in more Papua New Guinean players. Uh, I'd love to see as many PNG uh, players as there are Englishmen in the NRL. That's for sure. Hashtag grow the game. Guys, golden point over to Nigeria. So Nigeria have announced their first broadcast deal uh, for the MEA Championships later this year. Now, I'm not sure what the deal is worth, but uh, it's with Nigerian free-to-air television station Yanga TV. But according to the RLIF website, the plans are for the competition running from October 2nd to 5th this year will be broadcast into five nations with negotiations for a further 10. We're talking millions of people are potentially able to watch some rugby league in the Middle East Africa Championship. So that's really exciting stuff. Uh, once again, hashtag grow the game. Guys, and final golden point. So this one came out. Uh, just about an hour before I started uh, recording this podcast. So uh, kind of sad news, but the Colombian Rugby League uh, via their Facebook page have announced that the Latino Championship, uh, which was set to be played in Colombia in 2020, uh, was being cancelled. So this is the tournament which in 2017 Chile won, which got them through to the Americas Championship, so it's qualifiers for the World Cup. Uh, last year Brazil won. Uh, this year Colombia was meant to host, but it has been cancelled. We already knew uh, earlier from Rob Bergen that uh, the likes of Brazil and Argentina were unlikely to play uh, due to some financial difficulties. Uh, it became difficult for Chile as well. Uh, I think Mexico were keen to get involved and a few other nations, but at the end of the day, they just couldn't get a cohesive group of nations together for it. So uh, it does sound negative, but there were some positives there. The guys in Colombia said that, you know, I guess the reason for this is that um, the, Lat the Latino nations are sort of growing faster than expected. So you've got guys like Chile that are playing over in, in the Americas Championship. Brazil all of a sudden uh, are sending a women's team to the World Cup. Uh, so all of a sudden, these sorts of nations have more fees than they anticipated 12 months ago. So all of them getting together in Colombia this year could be difficult. Uh, what it means is next year's America's Championship, uh, we're not sure who that Latino side um, who qualifies will be. Will it be Chile? Will it be Brazil? They might have to face off one-on-one -on -one at some somewhere down the track, and that's probably what's likely to happen, so watch this space. But as for the Latino Championship, the guys at Colombia are saying that this gives them an opportunity to get a little more organised, um, try and get some written agreements and rules and ratified for this region and maybe have similar to what they do in the Americas where they have the Americas Nines one year and then Americas Champion the, the next year. Try and get that happening for the Latino nations as well. So Nines one year, 13s year after that. So look, 
baby steps. Look, we, we can't grow too fast, obviously, as much as we'd like to, but uh, hopefully this gets rectified. And I thought a really professional uh, really professional response to what is probably could be seen as a short-term negative story from the guys at Columbia. So well done to them. Guys, that's it for all the Golden Points this week. Let's wrap up the show. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Joshua Knight from Vancouver Dragons, British Columbia Rugby League and Canadian Rugby League. I certainly learnt a lot, had a lot of fun as well. Guys, if you want to learn some more, uh, make sure you're following us on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Just look up Chasing Kangaroos. You'll find us. Give us a follow. Uh, I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Thank you to you guys for listening. And please, I do ask, if you haven't subscribed yet, please do. It'll mean that the podcast will automatically upload as soon as you jump on iTunes or whatever platform you're using. And if you have subscribed and you're really enjoying the show, please share us on social media. Tell your friends. Let's hashtag grow the game together. And guys, I'm going to sign off tonight with something a little bit different. We love you, Nagati. Please come back to Rugby League.